Hey, Story of Mindsets, this is another great episode of the show. We're bringing to you another amazing founder doing some revolutionary things in the real estate world. Um, and I'm excited to not only learn about this company, but tell you how you can potentially be a customer or um, spread the word. Uh, today's guest is John Green, the CEO and founder of Nada. Uh, welcome, John, from Texas. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. Uh, excited to be here. Appreciate the opportunity, man. Most definitely. Um, so Nada, to my understanding, is it fractionalizes physical real estate and makes it possible for the end consumer, as well as a, a homeowner or a group of people who own the real estate to be able to offer that to the market. Um, is that the best way to explain it? Or how do you say yeah, it? It's not wrong, man. It's, <laughs> uh, you know, we're, it's like one single thing in the middle, and that's real estate. And then two sides of it, we're making it accessible too. Um, on one side, this is say, on this side, you got the homeowner. Uh, the homeowner is, is able to sell a piece of their equity with us and get cash today without it being any debt. They don't have any interest rate, no monthly payments, something like that. It's straight up an equity investment. They get cash. You know, a lot of our customers are using that cash to you know, invest in themselves, pay for the kid's school. You can imagine all the use cases of, that amount of money being available uh, in the current you know, economic environment we're in. And then we take that asset and we put it into a series of public real estate funds that we call city funds. Uh -huh. And we make it available for the everyday investor, the main street investor, if you will, to invest in a top city. Like we have Austin city fund, Miami, Dallas, Tampa, and just for uh, as little as $100, an investor can invest in that and they get you know, exposure to home equity. So we made it cheaper and affordable for everyone's own home equity, actually just pools of home equity in top sure. cities, which is also making it liquid and accessible for homeowners who are, you know, a lot of pride on how we support both sides. Nice. And how long has this been uh, in business or how has, it, has this existed? Yeah, we've been, we've been at it with city funds and in the home equity product we have where we unlock it, we call it home shares. We like our names. Uh, so we've been doing city funds and home shares for a little over two years now. Oh, wow. Um, and like, were there any rules that you had to adjust in terms of laws and all that, or was it just, uh, not adjust, but learn and in, uh, ensure that we fully complied with, um, yeah, that's, that's been a lot of, I mean, you, maybe you want to use a, a buzzer term, but like, you know, kind of reg tech, like regulatory, like that's something that we, we spend a lot of time in and understanding, um, our real estate funds, the city funds, they are public offerings. So they're SEC filings or public filings. Like, they call it a mini IPO. Mm -hmm. And so we have audited financials. Everything's fully transparent with that fund uh, or, or each fund, meaning like Austin, Dallas, again, et cetera. And so doing that and then also on the consumer finance side, um, issuing a product that's like a home equity loan or you know home equity line of credit, but with a very much benefit and distinction that it's not debt, no interest, no monthly payment. Um, it's similar to like, we have a licensed mortgage origination team that offers that product, even though it's not a mortgage uh, uh -huh. to make sure that everything we're doing is, you know, fully transparent, compliant on, on both sides. So, so, uh, so yeah, it took, it took some time to make sure we had it all right, but um, you know, thankfully we do and we got great support. So is this a, a better way to think of it as like a ETF for, physical houses that don't um yeah is that the is it the picture that's not it? wrong that's not wrong <laughs> uh, you know it, it's so a city fund like um well i'll tell you like so the austin city fund it it, it is an, a series llc which just means there's city funds one llc as a parent and then it has a bunch of very efficient series llc's they're each operating accounts uh, operating companies so that'd be Austin, Dallas, Tampa, et cetera. And that way they're not, there's no, what you call cross collateralization. Each is individual, right? So when you invest in Austin city fund, you're getting LLC membership in that, that company, uh -huh. like, like a, it's a REIT. And that company then is, is using capital to go invest in these fractions of home equity. And so oh. Austin has, you know, 35 investments that it's made. So when you put your money, your hundred bucks into Austin city fund, you're getting, you know, exposure to the, you know, 30 plus homes that it currently has spread out across the Austin MSA. And so you're getting that equity position in it. Wow. And is there like a limit of how many people can buy this or, you know what I mean? Cause I feel like with stocks, there's 
outstanding shares and then also similar i guess with the house like do you issue shares as well and the person in charge of that property or multiple properties just decides how much can hypothetically exist is that that's great it, it's a great question it's it's actually a little bit easier because the you know often our homeowner customers do know about the city funds product but they don't have to right the homeowner let's say you own a home and you've got enough equity to where it makes sense to where we're going to do a deal. And you, you're saying, hey, I want to sell $40,000 of my equity today, but, you know, because I, I don't want to move or what, whatever the reason is, you don't like taking on debt. You just want to get that cash today. That's your process. So then we make an investment, give you $40,000 in cash, and we get in return a percentage of your home's future value. Um, and that's only realized, you know, when you sell your home or refinance your mortgage that's when that's going to be paid out. So that becomes an asset, right? That's a $40,000 asset. We got it. Um, we, we put it into the fund. If you're living in Austin, Dallas, or you know, you're in yeah. San Francisco. So it'd be the San Francisco city fund would then hold that asset. Um, so that's, that's how you're, you're using the money to make multiple investments. And the city funds are actually what you call evergreen. Mm -hmm. so like, it's kind of like thinking of a circle, right? It never stops. So they're always raising money. And as they raise new money, they're making new investments. As investments are being paid off because somebody sold their house um, or wanted to buy out of their, their deal, that's income to the fund. Um, so then again, that gets reinvested. So you're always, we're always making new investments into home equity um, and, and raising money for, for our fund. Nice. I think uh, this is pretty cool. I, I guess I want to, John, I want to transition into like who you are as a founder and sure. operator of this company. So I guess uh, I did some research or I was alerted that you were a ex-punk rocker or are you still yeah. a punk rocker? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess, you know, once a punk rocker, always a punk rocker, right? So, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I was. So in, in, when I was 19, I, um, I was in a punk rock band. I had been in bands, you know, as a teenager, but I one in particular and we started taking it pretty serious. We did end up getting signed at the time. It was meaningful to be signed by a record label. And we got signed by a record label, and then I spent four years full-time touring, and we released two albums. Uh, nice. So, so pretty crazy, uh, fun experience. You know, tons of vulnerability in that. You know, you create something, get in front of people. Mm -hmm. um, similar to a startup, you know, it's not always a lot of vulnerability and stuff like that if you really, I guess, care about the music you're making. So so really cool experience that I had a bit of a disclaimer. I give a kind of that non-conformist mindset. <laughs> Heck yeah. yeah. I do have. Were, were you the uh, singer or like was, were you the yeah. guitarist? Nice. I was, I was a front man. Yeah. I helped write some of the guitar. So I like to say, what, what was the name I, of the, I didn't play it. What was the name uh, of the band? I got to keep some intrigue <laughs> behind it. People can man, it. That's, that's really cool. Um, my cousin, he was like trying to be a hip hop artist now he became a lawyer in texas and oh, that's so that's cool i i, I relate to that uh -huh. um that transition yeah i mean i went from punk rocker to to joining you know mortgage banking and ah. as a i was i mean i worked in risk and quality control which how the hell you know but i loved yeah. it i loved navigating it building it then i got into strategy and innovation within mortgage banking like like how do you build new businesses uh, within the mortgage company how do you adopt new technology so I got to be the creative kind of nonconformist within the structure, but I mean, uh, uh -huh. very similar to this. You, you go from creating music to, you know, to being a lawyer, and I went to you know financial. Yeah, well, well, I guess like so, if you were to take back yourself in time um, when you made that decision to, to, I wouldn't say leave the musician life behind, but jump into uh, traditional work. Um, what made you want to get into that field? Actually, is it real estate? You're also fascinated highly by. Uh, you know, candidly, no, not at the time. I mean, I had friends that were working in the financial services space. Um, the the band had taken me to Tampa, it's where we were currently we're living in Tampa. We'd lived all over. We lived in LA for a while, and, and then Tampa. And so I had an opportunity to start working at Washington Mutual. Uh, you know, kind of a throwback bank crisis. Um, so and I, I got familiar with the process and kind of the mortgage banking experience a little bit there. Then JP Morgan came in and acquired them. And I worked for JP Morgan for a few years. Um, and, and then I, I became kind of fascinated with this concept of uh, as I kept understanding more and kind of growing to higher levels within that, that corporate ladder, if you will, that, that like that sector, 
um, real estate, especially single family res residential is like literally impacts everyone's lives on a daily basis. It's like this is the largest asset class. It impacts everyone. But the language like mortgage, all that stuff sucks. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And everything is so privatized or specialized. It just is it, 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 it brought the nonconformist in me out to say, this is just silly. Like the, the language should be easier. The accessibility to get cash out of a home or to gain entry to ownership should be easier. There's got to be different and better ways. And I was, I was driven for, uh, by like trying to push that through corporate for a while into where eventually you know, shot me out on the other side to just go <laughs> start Nada. Yeah. Yeah. So starting Nada, let's see. So you had the idea for this, I'm guessing, while you were working at JPM or WAMU at the time, right? It just kept. Uh, yeah, I was. I was actually the, my last experience was with a, a private independent mortgage company called Pacific Union Financial that uh, uh -huh. was sold to another private mortgage company. And names that no one would really know because private mortgage companies don't <laughs> don't really market themselves. Um, yeah, so I had I, I I had wanted to have uh, a business model that could offer someone you know, options and accessibility, really, I guess, two key things, accessibility, you own a home, there should be something you can access out of that that doesn't require you to take on the burden of additional debt. Similar as a business operator, I had mm -hmm. seen so many mortgage companies that when rates are low, they're growing because they do a lot of refinances, because they don't know how to get new home purchase business that well. Mm -hmm. And so they end up to where like, basically, they they're going to exist when the rates are when rates are good, and then they're going to fold when they're not, and so they can't control their own destiny. So I wanted to create a business that could sell mortgage products to customers when rates are low because it's advantageous, and then also sell another product, which is our non-interest, you know, home equity option that we have uh, that you could sell. Like right now, there's a tremendous amount of demand for homeowners to access equity without taking on high interest rates. So our product's yeah. doing really well. Yeah, qu quite interesting. Uh, just curious, John, like how does Nada generate revenue for itself? Is it off of fees or is it off of a, uh, because, you know, it sounds all good and really um, incredible, like how this happens, but it's yeah. hard to picture who the customer, or how the customer pay, like, you know what I mean? Like where the money's made, <laughs> which yeah, is the most know, important part. <laughs> it, it is. Yeah, we, we do make money. Um, so when we're issuing a home equity investment, just like you're, if you're doing any kind of loan or mortgage, we get an origination fee out of that. So if you're the homeowner, you're getting $40,000 or whatever it is you're getting out with the typical customer size that they're getting. Um, we get a, a 3% origination fee and we get some other processing fees out of that proceeds, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's our upfront origination. And then that becomes an asset to us, you know, just like if you owned, uh, I don't know, a trading card mm -hmm. and you wanted to sell that to someone else. So when we sell that asset to someone, often our, our funds, we can make a, a little bit of a gain on the sale there. Uh, so we sell it we get income for selling it. So that's how we make income on the, the home share, the home equity side. And, and that's just that's very common to any kind of loan lending mortgage company. But then on the uh, city fund side, we're the fund manager. So we get fund management revenue on that. And that is of all the money managed, we get 1.5% per year for fund management. Um, and there's some other incremental fees that we get for, for, for technology licensing and stuff, but that's the major. So that way, you know, uh -huh. there's recurring and there's transactional built into our model. Nice. I want I want to jump into, uh, I guess, more deeper into like when you had this idea. Was the first thing that you did like make like write some code and try to make a prototype, or like is it first thing you do like you do all the research and how does this even exist? How do I make this? Because um, yeah, it seems it's, like yeah, it's, it's you definitely do? <laughs> more financial product engineering. So it's um, a, a board, one of our board members and a, and a good friend and, and a partner with us, his name is Jesse Stein. Mm -hmm. And he had had a lot of experience in the past working on raising retail investor money for fractionalizing investments into like um, commercial properties and stuff. So he had a good understanding of how that process worked. Um, and also some of the bottlenecks of how could you make this, you know, to where, you know, if you were to create a city fund that was like, our concept, which is index like funds for a city, and you were to do it with a bunch of rental properties or commercial properties, but then you're going to need a ton of money to buy enough to really represent. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have to have a good bit of people to manage the operations, right? To get people in it, to manage tenants, et cetera. And so that, as I had been wanting to get a home equity investment product, 
and to create a, a way to finance it efficiently. And it was a perfect marriage, right? Because uh -huh. if you're a fund manager for a real estate investment fund and that asset is ours, a home equity investment, then the owner retains ownership of the home, the homeowner, and all of the really the, the greater equity upside. So they're effectively managing themselves. There's no tenant. There's no like maintenance. We're not paying insurance or anything on it. We just bought a position in the home and they're managing it. So it's a self-managed asset. And you know, you 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 can get a whole lot of diversification when you're just making forty, fifty thousand dollar investments per home as opposed to five hundred to a million per per unit. Yeah, no, that's quite fascinating. So can this is this only homes can your markets only be in the US? I mean, I'm guessing only the US, right? But like specifically in the US, does it depend on the state's rules or are there, you know, like different laws behind where this can exist or? Uh, so US based, we are US based, mainly because the markets, I mean, it's huge. Uh -huh. The, um, you know, I, I'll give you, I talk with my hands a lot. So, <laughs> it's okay. uh, you know, resident, single family residence real estate is a 37, $38 trillion market, right? That's a giant market. And then of that 12 trillion of it is, is mortgage debt. So that's your mortgage originators. That's your Quicken, um, a rocket mortgage, Loan Depots, all these people there. But then the rest of it, the 20, it's $27 trillion. And, and that's home equity, right? And so that's how much, that's how big it is. It's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's an absolutely giant market that is just totally sitting there illiquid unless you sell your house or something, right? Uh -huh. And so, uh, you know, from the size of the market and the need in the US, there's no real need for us to look external. Um, but within the U.S., like domestic, um, in the states that we're operating in, in the states, because we do have to interface with all the states, there's been no no prohibitive um, you know, regulations or governance to to us establishing that there. So, <clears throat> is this is this concept like also possible? You think with like cars, or is it just like homes? You think? Well, you know, there is two very different assets, right? Yeah. So. I don't know if you want to invest in a car that depreciates an appreciative asset, right? And and really, you know, kind of a silly thing, but but homes are kind of a misnomer. Like like it's the yeah. the, the 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 wood or concrete, the construction itself is always depreciating. Uh -huh. But the land is finite, right? Like we cannot manufacture new land. And so mm -hmm. really it's the land that that's you know historically been consistently appreciative. And of course. You know, whatever is built on it needs to be decent, but mm -hmm. but that's you know unlike a car. Gotcha. Yeah, I just I mean I'm I'm hearing like all these new things like in the world that are I mean the NFT thing was you know you digitize like a picture right and there's like fractional shares sometimes for that. Mm -hmm. The home thing it's it's also an interesting thing. I, I have a friend who who made a company called Fintor and they're a little bit different from you because I I don't think they're indexes but just uh, the fact that like um. You know, yeah, I think I know they're they're doing rental properties, right? I feel so it's like, like if if you if you were to like it's like browsing homes, uh -huh. uh, if I'm not mistaken, because I know there's there's a few that do that, uh, and you can buy <laughs> individual shares in a, in a single rental property, like one, two, three Main Street, you can invest in it. Oh, okay, it's similar to that. I sh shoot, I actually had the app and I bought like a home in Alabama, but I feel like you you might be onto something bigger because of the indexing. Which is quite fascinating. Was that your original idea to index, or did you? Yeah, how, yeah. Did you ever pivot? What was that like? No, that was that's that's been the ideas. Is that we wanted to create this like I like to think that there's a very simple thought someone has, sure. and that is like you might be sitting around thinking, I believe that owning, you know, a home in Austin is a good investment. I wish that was possible, and so creating an index like exposure that really makes it like to where it's geographically like focused and kind of intuitive like that. It's, it's it just makes it simple thought possible. Like uh -huh. you, you can just put a hundred bucks in and you got exposure to the Austin housing market or the Miami or Tampa, you know, or the, the newest one that we're going to do is, is Denver. So you, you get the idea. So whatever you think, it's like investing in a stock, right? You think that housing market's going to dip. You think it's going to go up. You could even buy the dip. It has that type of, you know, <laughs> that type of opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, I just thought that made it so much more simpler and, and something that is like more common to your everyday investor that uh, also makes it easier for us to create liquidity for it, meaning like trading, like we have uh, trading of, of shares in, in these funds. And it's, it's, 
it's theoretically it's easier to trade shares on a secondary market if you're only if it's like Austin, right? And so mm -hmm. if someone comes in during a secondary window and they just like, hey, new investor, I want to invest in Austin, and the only thing that they can do is buy shares from someone that already has them, it's 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 easier than like trying to have uh, a bunch of individual homes or something that might not be all that different. Um, so that, yeah, that was it, one of the core reasons for us to create. The it seems like there's like a pool. market stock market for the house, but not necessarily. I guess it is public then, huh? If somebody just signs up, signs up through Nada, then can anybody yeah, yeah. participate? Or these are these are public investment offerings. Yes, the the, the regulation A SEC uh -huh. regulation allows for a private offering to be made, a private company to be uh, you know invested in and traded publicly. Uh, it's a oh, silly okay. way that you're using the both words, like a private to public, but yes, it is. And uh -huh. uh, for the most part, everything we've, we've designed it to be is it's, you know, you can see Austin, you can click and invest quickly in the app, and then you can track your performance, see your assets that are in there, how's it performing, and you can trade it in a way that feels similar to, to like you would, you know, okay. your, your stock in app. I guess, John, I got to ask you like a, like once called the, I guess a founder personal question. Like what, what made you think that this was all possible? Cause I'm sure that, you know, as any entrepreneur knows, they bump into hurdles along the way and they doubt themselves and they doubt not only the idea, but maybe, you know, <laughs> um, yeah. the whole process, just uh, what do you think it was that um, you really wanted to work towards? Because um, when there's like those doubts, like there's, there's some realism in them, right? Because yeah. like, you know, maybe if I was in your position, it would be, um, this has never existed before. Why do I even try? Or like, the, no one wants to back us as a venture capitalist or the market's looking like shit. Like, what what, what, uh, what do you think was your intrinsic motivation to create this thing to where it is? That's a really good framing. I mean, that's, that's a glimpse into the reality of this. I mean, you know, uh -huh. I, I believe if you don't fight imposter syndrome in this experience, then you're just, you're inhuman. <laughs> um, you know, but at the end of the day, for me, it's, 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 it's built on conviction. Like, do I fundamentally believe in the products that we're delivering to customers and that they should exist in the market and that they do create value for people? And then everything else becomes white noise to me, uh, you know, but I have to reground myself. Don't get me wrong. But when I get focused on that and, and, and so, um, we launched the first city fund offerings kind of technical here, but under a smaller SEC allowance where we couldn't raise a lot of money. It was cheaper to do that. We did this last year, uh, maybe a year and a half ago now. And um, we didn't have any assets. It was just a concept of city funds. You know, hey, we don't own anything. This is the concept. What do you guys think about it? And we put it on the internet and we ended up raising one and a half million dollars, you know, from uh, about 3,000 individual investors because they really believe in the concept and wanted access to it. And that was really compelling. That was like, okay, like that's when I started doing the greater SEC filing process. Again, I call it kind of the mini IPO uh -huh. where we can take it to where we can raise much more money, which is where we're at today. Um, customer feedback, man, the validation yeah. that the product is really is solving real like needs and values and um, the perseverance to get that product to as many people as possible. Yeah, no, that's absolutely uh amazing that you guys have done that um I, I have a friend too i interviewed on the show he made his own etf it's called dems and i'm just thinking oh he's a lawyer background i guess <laughs> so for you to kind of understand how to make this exist did you um you had to bring other people on who knew all these complex or maybe you already knew this stuff since you were working as a uh like a, in the mortgage industry did did you I, like how do you understand all these rules when there's so many yeah, I, I did. I have a lot. Of, I have a lot of experience with in in my roles, like in the mortgage banking side. I did a lot of what you call internal audit. I would facilitate audits where external parties would come in, like Fannie Mae, the, the big the GSEs, if you know the term. The you know the, the institutions that are buying assets from mortgage companies like <laughs> Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. Yeah, uh, Mac, to where yeah. If, if it was their their bank partner, what are the covenants? So I, I did get very familiar with understanding that and just kind of wired in a way to where I, if, if I have one virtue at all, it's like curiosity. Sure. I am extremely curious uh, to a fault. I, I just, if I get a threat of something, I just, I've got to understand it. 
And so really running that through um, to where like, why is this a prohibitive regulation in perception? Can I read through and understand it more? And then can I consult you know, experts to validate my hypothesis? And so I've had the opportunity to meet and network with a, a ton of great people. You know, one of our um, early angel investors that backed the company, actually there's two uh, meaningful ones, but one in particular um, has been, you know, he's been the general counsel for large mortgage companies, um, uh, you know, is an attorney in that space and uh, was a mentor to me at some point, and he was one of our first investors. And so obviously he's a resource and believed in this right off the bat. Uh, so I like to surround myself with people that can add value. I don't, uh, I'm very much a curious generalist. <laughs> um, yeah no i think that curiosity is so important i mean um yeah. with all these ideas but i feel like as a human you you also have the element of fear and like your curiosity can tend to i wouldn't say harm you but like if you're overly curious maybe like not necessarily in a business setting but um if you're overly curious you, you might notice that the truth that you find out might not be comforting to you right did did you um ever experience that uh you just found out like um, certain things wouldn't work the way you wanted them to work. And you just did, did you have to change anything at all in the process or was it more of like just following certain uh, you know, tight knit procedures and, or just, you know what I mean? No, it, uh, no, no tight knit procedures. Uh, I, I'm very, I, I feel very comfortable about everyone knowing where we're going but one of the things, you know, if I was interviewing anyone to, to join, I just interviewed someone that we're, we're thinking about joining. And I like to get really raw into like, you know, like we know what we want to do. Yeah. But because it's different, we don't know how to get there. We've got a lot of good strategies. We've learned a lot. But there is going to be a lot of trials and tribulations to get there. That is just a fact. And the faster you can accept that your plan you put out to begin with, you know, if it's 50% <laughs> right, but you quickly identify what's not and you tweak like that. That is the process. You know, you, you got to move quick and you got to think all the time and, and not get bogged down on, on what um, what didn't hit. Right. Just make sure you learn from it. That's what I try to commit myself to. Nice. Um, but, you know, I, I spend my will sometimes trying to think about like, man, I, I hold myself accountable to all this stuff. Like, man, I really wish I could have told the team exactly this, this, this and this, but it given them the best chance. And it's just, you know, I, I, I kind of just diarrhea the mouth sometimes, total vulnerability. <laughs> like, hey, here's what I know. Here's what I don't know. Here's where we're going. I think this is going to work. This one's going to work. You know, and, and fortunately, we've been right more than we've been wrong in some of the key ones. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit of that radical candor type of, yeah. type of yeah. thing, huh? Yeah, um, just no, no bullshit, you know? Like, if you believe in this and you believe in yourself, then, like, you got to surround yourself with people that feel the same. And not that they need to believe in you. They need to believe in what you're doing and, and themselves just the same. Nice. I, I guess like I'd, I'd love to really just we could talk about the VC fundraising because uh, yeah, I want to say congrats too. you. You close an A round, I believe. Right. Not too, not too uh, long. Uh, not, not a, a lot to say. <laughs> no, let's it, say. Was, it was a seed um, seed two. Oh, gotcha. Uh, so, yeah, it was. Uh, I think I think maybe we, we could talk about like how market conditions were. Sure. Yeah, know, I'd love to hear that. Yeah. Just I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, with everything that's happened with, of course, Silicon SVB and as well as the greater stock market or the market in general, the economy is what I'm saying as a whole has been tumbling and um, there's high inflation rates. We could, I guess, break it down to science. But uh, what that does is, um, I guess it decreases confidence for the, I won't say just the VCs, but the market in general. And like when you don't, you know, it's not happening at the 2020 rate or like the 21 rate where things were easier to fund. Um, was mm -hmm. uh, was it more difficult to raise or do you feel like, you know, it was just for you? Yeah, it's very difficult. It was, it was very difficult. Um, I we, we were strategic about who we wanted to, to have as an investor. Um, we very much valued someone that had a longer term view, like their fund strategy. Oh, nice. Uh, we kind of come at it with a different lens because remember, we're fund managers too, <laughs> smaller scale, but we, we have a similar viewpoint on things like, you know, what is their strategy? What are they, you know, their customers, effectively their LPs, the investors in their funds, and what are they telling them? This is the type of questions that were critical to us defining it, but, but macroeconomic factors. Um, yeah, when, when we, we started raising actually in December of 21 is when we were raising, and based on some inbound interest, we started raising what was, um, you know, I'll just tell you, Candela, it was, it was like, you know, 
categorized as a series A, but I don't know the exact science to how you'd say C2 to series A, but it was the next round that was no longer going to be safe notes or convertible notes. It was going to be priced equity. That's what we knew. Um, It was great. We We had tons of meetings, you know, Met a lot of good people. We got a couple of term sheets. Um, and then and market pressure really hit and we needed to rethink the round and the size. And so we ended up meeting a great investor based out of Austin called Live Oak Venture Partners. And uh, they ended up leading the round and we recategorized it um, as a seed two. Um, and because at that point when we were raising, this was uh, now we're in June, right? Uh-huh. Uh, because a lot of stuff happened. And when we're raising any company that is kind of capital intensive by perception or exposed to interest rates, which in a way we are, uh, even though we're selling a non-interest rate product, we have to get financing that is, you know, charging us interest rates sometimes to to do it. It became hypersensitive because a lot of the companies that were very capital intensive were adding to shed bodies, especially in the real estate or prop tech space. You had open door and yeah, 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 I won't go through some names right, 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 public. Right. A lot of them had substantial downsizing. Um, I I I build kind of from a paranoia standpoint. So I built from the bottom up. So we weren't, and I kind of told you this early on, like accidental foreshadowing. I built a model that wouldn't be solely dependent on the interest rate market. So we could we could sell. Uh-huh. Um, so so the impact to us would be less, but it takes some time to convince and you know and demonstrate that, especially when you're early on. Um, so I, I guess I, I mean I could go into detail, and I'm I'm, I'm all about being candid. But you got to yeah. really believe in yourself when you're raising venture money. I think today, and I think that you know we don't yet know what the greater ripple effect is going to be of you know what's happening with the banking system and yeah, and isolated to the core banks that support venture capital. Um, uh-huh. You know, there's there's a lot of positive happening, but a lot of unknown. At a minimum, that's going to make it harder for people to raise money right now. And I guess if anyone else is listening, just, you know, plan your cash accordingly um, <laughs> and, you know, cover yourself, don't bet on the future so you can keep doing what you believe in. Nice. Yeah. Well, I guess, John, did you need like, like, did you need angel investment to create the company or not necessarily create the company, but to, to build the product? Like just wondering, just since um, it seems like you, you know, there's a lot of money that gets spent on uh, what are you be just, I wouldn't say regulations, but like, it seems like for this bit, for you guys particularly, there needs to be like a lot of money that's spent on, is it acquiring houses or is it like acquiring assets or, you know what I mean? Uh, yes. So we, we did raise seed money to start the company. All in, we've raised kind of an angel round and then a seed one and a seed two totaling to $9 million in equity capital that we've raised since we've been operating the business. And um, you're right. A lot of that early on, um, was you know some tech development that was meaningful, pretty light human resources because it was me and my sure. co-founder um, and a few others that were not taking big salaries in the early days, and um, and a lot of attorney legal fees to make sure we're we're going through and building out the right things. Yeah, so, yeah. That's where I said you know kind of the reg tech side, like you know once you you build it out and you kind of get this blueprint that is uh, acceptable, kind of qualified with SEC does a qualification. That's their terminology. Um, this is kind of repeat and scalable, but yeah, a lot of money goes into that. Today, um, yeah. when when we're when we originate, we call it originate or make investments. We make investments in a home. Uh, we we do so, and then we fund it on a warehouse line of credit um, mm-hmm. at the NADA side, so that we can keep productivity and serving customers early. And then we sell them into city funds um, as city funds raises new money or something sells out. Instead of when we started. We were just doing kind of a paycheck to paycheck. Like as new money came into city funds, we would go find an investment, then match it. And so now that we're, you know, trying to increase productivity and scale, um, that's to your question yeah. earlier. Yeah. So. Nice. Yeah. Well, did you guys also, I think I want to just touch upon like, um, so with the recent funding that you guys, the C2, what, what, you, what uh, is it more into the same um, uh, things that you spent on in the past or is it like new? Um, new, new, uh, uh, what do you call it? Just ideas for the capital or? Yeah, well, so, so we closed in the round and, and got the money in, in July, right? So it's, it's been a minute. And, and since oh. then we, we completed and released our, um, our mobile app so uh-huh. where it's, you know, available in, uh, Apple and Google. 
So that's everything available for someone to go invest in our offerings and, and trading, tracking, everything is built into the app. So a big product release for us that has a lot of technical compliance features built into it that you know we're iterating on a daily basis, but we're, we're very happy with where that's at today. That was a big, a big one for us. The reason we were in market to raise is that we had just gotten to a point of getting the SEC qualification um, for our larger round. So now we can raise $75 million per huh. 12 months, a rolling 12 months um, from, from accredited or non-accredited, you know, the everyday investor. And that was a big thing. And so we didn't necessarily use the money to get there. That, that got us to the money, but we were <laughs> able to launch it and put marketing behind it to get it in front of a lot of people, uh, the, the City Funds product. Um, the other thing is, you know, we beat up the team, you know, we've got 20 plus uh, full-time people. We're all in from contract and kind of disperse yeah. 35 yeah. people. So it's a, you know, it's, it's a, it's a good group, good culture, a lot of diversity uh, that we've assembled. So we're still in this very hyper-focused kind of tunnel vision of core KPIs, our North Star metrics. Uh, I got to quit doing that. Um, <laughs> our North Star metrics, and, and so that we know we have a line of sight into scalability, because we want to be very well prepared with with how we're operating, how we're scaling, and how we're existing in a in a challenging market to where we raise uh, a strong Series A that gets us to profitability, where we're less we, we don't want to be in a position of being dependent upon new venture capital sure. uh, beyond this next round. Yeah, it's quite interesting because I think like we'd seen the Uber and the Airbnb and they're always dependent on yeah. or had, you know, traditionally been dependent on the future seed or the future series A's, B's and C's. And eventually even the public market, they they do yep. um, all that fundraising. It's quite complicated to to comprehend. However, um, with, with Nada, how, how big of a market? So you said this was like a trillion, there's like 12 trillion worth of real estate yeah. equity that people have been Yeah, $27 trillion home equity market. So, you know, owner-occupied homes, home equity, meaning the, the value of the home that's not encumbered by debt from a mortgage. That's how big it is. And so wow. so for us, you know, we're taking it for a homeowner on one side. Well, yeah. well, let, me, let me get back to our what's the homeowners on this side. Homeowner here, and we're making <laughs> it liquid to where they can make, they, you know, we've got um, we got a partnership with, with Visa that we're working on. I was just going to say, yeah, the, yeah. The, ba so, the bank card, right? Or the credit, yeah, debit card, debit card? It is. It's a debit card. It creates, it's, it's, it's a new wallet, right? The real estate wallet. So the owner can, can they're going to get the, the cash out of their home onto the card, which creates a lot of, uh, a lot of loyalty and network effects that are going to be built on top of that as well to where they can maximize their money and they can access it more ongoing. So you get uh -huh. this whole new means of like spending, right? That a, that a homeowner can now do. So now they can spend this money. Let's say, like, I'm going to give you our targets. I mean, you know, 0.5% of this market is, is over $100 billion. And so if some of that can be circulated in consumer spending, then that's going to have, you know, a very positive effect on the economy. Now, what's funding that is the availability we've created for people that many of them can't afford a home because it's, it's unaffordable, it's inaccessible. And so now... You've created consumer spending, and you, we've we've helped people unlock new new ways of building wealth through real estate, where otherwise they would have been priced out uh, or not had a product to do that. So that's you know you can get, you're doing two things with that one big chunk of market. That yeah, yeah, I, I like it. I like I like it. It's hard, hard to comprehend, but it seems like there's like the, the, the you you kind of have the marketplace right where it's like Correct. connecting the yeah. sellers with the uh, customers or prospective buyers. Um, and then there's you know the the uh, city funds aspect where like those people they manage all that stuff in a group. So if I'm the customer right and I buy wanted yeah. to buy a, I wanted to buy the product or buy buy a slice of a house or something, does that does that um, is, am I buying? Do I have the option to buy either the city funds or do I ever have the option to buy directly into a house that's available? What's what's that UI look like? Yeah, no. So you're you're not investing directly in a home. So for uh -huh. us core thing with index like and everything is to be diversified. So you're not getting this like single threaded exposure. You're getting, uh, you know, your pro rata distribution to multiple homes in a market. Uh, and so we do, the, the team has this cool feature where we have like this map view. If you were invested in Austin, you could see all the dots about all the homes and how they're kind of spread out throughout the metro of Austin or Dallas, Miami, and any of these markets. So you can see you really are getting a very diverse exposure to that market. And when you're investing in a city fund, because when we make a home equity investment, they're called in the money is what you'd say. Meaning that like the- the It's like an option, right? Like the options in the money? In the money option agreement, yes. 
So, you know, just thinking about the audience here, I mean, it's like a safe note for a home, right? And so we're coming in at a, a fixed discount, typically 15% to the home's current market value to de-risk that asset against market volatility for our investors. But that makes it day one in the money. And then it builds as home price appreciation builds, which historically has you know, been at a very conservative rate, 5% per year. And so you have this, this you know, equity buildup that's happening with your investments that you're getting in across multiple homes. So you may have some home runs, right? Like yeah. we value the homes on a monthly basis. We have a very detailed way that we're pulling automated valuations to plug into and present it to the, to the investors. And so again, one home, maybe it really jumped because that market developed. Uh, and then another one may be more steady. And you, you know, one may drop, but, but you can carry that because you get the blended benefit of a basket of assets instead of a single one. Yeah, that diversification, right? <laughs> so so a couple of questions here, John, um, just to, you know, um, get out of the way. It was uh, so like the, the, the buyer, they, they are uh, they're an investor, right? They're not just like a like a partial. They don't have any responsibilities to the house, right? Like it's no, it's, not, not no. at all. They're, they're investing in a, in a product that is a, is, is a REIT. It's just the, the underlying asset and the design of it is, is, is unique and kind of innovative, if you will. Okay being that it's okay. index-like and the asset being is a home equity investment. Can the person who bought the shares, the digital shares, can they sell it the next day or is there a lockup period? Or like, There's not that? technically a lockup period. Um, so they, they, they could be liquid quickly, but it's really a time of like, what is the interest that the early investors have in selling? Because we, we publish NAV. So because we, we track all assets that we own, uh -huh. And their, their real estate, there is like a bona fide data source that we can use to get valuations on a month over month basis. Um, you know, I'll give you an example. So, so like current strike price for buying it in Austin, it's $10, but the current net asset value of the investments is closer to $12 because it's we've made good investments, right? We've appreciated the value. Sure. So then when a secondary window opens, then a new strike price would be matched to the actual value. And so a person that owns shares could sell it up to the current, or if perhaps they want it to motivate someone to buy, they could sell, maybe they bought it at 10, but they're going to sell it at 1150, right? And then over time that, could keep, that keeps growing and it keeps different trade windows. And, and the minimum I was reading was to invest as a person is like 250 bucks or something like that. Actually, this past week, we, <laughs> we, we filed an amendment and they're all $100. Oh, 100 bucks. Yeah. yeah, we dropped them all to $100. I was reading too a little bit. I think in the article you or Bo Rogers sent over, it was a. Uh, this is kind of becoming like a part of a what do you call it, the IRA or like sometimes it was being looked into. Is that is that already uh, how yeah. far is that at? Yes. So so um, well, w w uh, you have RIAs and IRAs. So your your retirement accounts oh, gotcha. yeah, you yeah. have partnerships with and placements on platforms uh, all to IRA. And Rocket Dollar IRA in particular, and these are platforms that allow people that have you know traditional IRA to be self-directed. They can manage their retirement investments and place them into alternative assets. Um, and and we're, we're placed there so that people can use you know, get, get the tax advantages to choose to invest into a city fund. Um, so, so yeah, that, that's a that's a partner avenue that we have. We have a lot of distribution partners because of the fund structure we have uh -huh. to where you know we're, we're listed there. But the retirement accounts are definitely a big one that we've. We've built into, and then we're we're currently building relationships to sell into you know registered investment advisors RIA groups as well, uh, to where they can sell the city funds product to their clients with which they're managing their money. Um, nice, yeah. I, re I remember I used to work for a VC firm, and Rocket Dollar was one of the deals they were checking out to potentially invest in. And it's cool to see that uh, Rocket Dollar is around, and you know, um, I think yeah, it's Henry. Good guys. Henry is the CEO or somebody. Yeah, yeah Henry. Yeah, I got good yeah, memory. <laughs> <laughs> you do. That's good. Yeah, they, they're awesome based. We had a lot of similar uh, support groups. You know, uh, we're both part of the UT, uh, you know, the college uh, venture back right. group, and then uh, capital factors stuff like that. So yeah, yeah. Oh, very cool. Very very cool. Well, I guess John, I guess like we just got to ask you a couple last questions here today. It's been really cool just hearing about how you made something exist out of it's not a, thin air. You know, <laughs> not, not, yeah, not, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you laid it out there for me. It's quite fascinating just because all the entrepreneurs, like they made a product that wasn't existed before. Um, are the competitors to you now or is it just you're the sole fish in the market? Or uh, No. So it's, I mean, a, a platform like Fintor, for example, that is making it possible to invest in real estate online for 
cheaper than elsewhere is an indirect competitor. I don't see them as that. I don't see any of that as that. I see that as all complementary. It's such a massive market. Yeah. But just, I don't know, I guess to be honest, I mean, there are other people that make real estate investment available to non-accredited people for a cheaper price with some creative, innovative products. Uh, I don't, I've never seen anyone that's doing a similar uh, city fund concept and index like, <laughs> sure. nor making, uh, my understanding is we're the only real estate fund that allows you to invest in owner-occupied homes. Uh, uh-huh. On the home equity side, there are other people that have been offering a home equity uh, product that's a non-debt product. Uh, there's probably four that have been doing it. They're more built like a mortgage company than 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 we are. Um, so it's very. If you look at certain products, there's some that we're we're kind of following on what they've built and learned. And yeah, then, yeah. And a few of the others, yeah, we're, we're definitely category creators. I, I got you. Well, next, the last, last couple questions here, John, are um, if you were to have a time machine and travel back into your 20 year old John Green, what uh, what would you want to say to John when it comes to um, running a company or just life? Well, that's an interesting time. So <laughs> 20, I was, I was right in the middle of, of, of uh, you know, punk rocking. So I, uh, I probably would have told myself that, you know, get comfortable not knowing everything and ask many questions that anybody you interact with gets curiosity over time as I got more comfortable and just not trying to have answers or reveal what you don't know has been my greatest virtue. So if I could ever go back to any time frame, I would just say, get curious faster. Okay. Next one is, uh, what would you say to a founder that um, has a big idea, but doesn't necessarily believe in themselves yet, but is currently exploring that idea? Like is a, response really just to go out there and deal with like maybe like the pain that comes with finding out the truth like of this will work or this wouldn't work or is it just it's a risk you gotta you gotta really understand and take i don't my experience is one that you know i'm not someone that came into this that had like excess money from stuff i mean i had done well making money in in corporate sector but nothing substantial so i I took a, a big risk so it took a lot of conviction and that i thought there was a need for a product and I thought that, you know, after some soul searching and conversations with people that I valued, that I, I could, you know, build it. Um, I, I think getting that comfort, like one, do you really know the problem that exists? And then two, do you have a, a firm understanding of how you can solve it? Getting that first and then get your comfort and confidence in yourself. Nice. It makes sense. And, and you get it. Yeah. I really like that answer. Yeah. Uh, next question is, um, what uh, what what book do you think did does was there has there ever been like a book that you think that changed your mindset towards business? Because I, f- I feel like coming from the punk rocker and then working in the the mortgage industry to to coming into entrepreneurship, it's a lot of uh, what I'd say is a. It's been a wild ride, right? So like, <laughs> it has been a wild ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I uh, doing strategy and innovation in my role in, in mortgage was in. I did a lot of stuff that was like uh, lean six sigma concepts to create operational efficiencies, and I, I got kind of into you know really studying some of the, the the methodologies there. And I'd say one of the early things was the, the lean startup and the lean startup principles and uh, and that way of thinking. And, and I started instituting that in an, kind of an uh, Oh, I'm going to get this wrong, like an entrepreneurial yeah. uh, concept under companies. Like I, like one of the last mortgage companies I worked for, I worked for the single shareholder of the company. He was just the one guy that owned the whole mortgage company. So I got to do all kinds of different ventures and apply those principles. It, it was that. And I think one of the most influential books for me and kind of transitions this like kind of raw, uh, like culture-based building that I align with is, uh, I forget the name of it, but there's a, it's, it's, a, it's a book based on business principles from a study of the New Zealand All Blacks. Uh, oh, the yeah, Hakka team, winning, the, the, the Hakka yeah, people, yeah, yeah, the rugby yeah, team, yeah. the rugby team, yeah, so. rug, rugby team, most winning these team is just their culture, their concepts, but it kind of, it, it, it blends it in so well. I wish I could remember the exact name of it, but, uh, we'll find it. We'll find it. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. Um, and so you're saying for Nada, is that how you kind of create the culture through, I wouldn't say from that book, but you derive a lot of the principles and lean Sigma that's military, right? So that's like, or is that, is that like, is that martial arts or no well that that's so, so the six sigma is like an engineering mindset that was oh, like, okay got it wrong. You know, started with like very manufacturing and very very structured thought process 
you know, uh, and then lean was the more efficient way of doing that and to you know, in integrate with, you know, kind of external views and statistic to tried and true. So pr pretty broad philosophies there that you know, it takes a little bit of nuance to get to, but it is very structured in, yeah. in that you think so that you can, because to me, your biggest thing is like people have the hardest time. You get like all this stuff. Where do you start? You got to start somewhere. And I, I excel at that. I excel at thinking of, okay, here's a starting point. Here's a base quick way of getting to logic. I mean, I mean, the best logic logic start is then you're going to get to the next step. And a lot of those practices and principles really instill that in you so that you can get that going. And then the rest of it, like the all blacks and, and the concepts I'm talking about there is to be raw, be yourself, be comfortable with who you are and express that your, your strengths, your vulnerabilities, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And I think you'll surround yourself with the right people. Uh, I dig it. Yeah. Let, second, last question is, uh, John, if you could tell us your startup mindset uh, in your own words or, you know, just how you would explain your approach to building a company such as Nada, what would you say it is? Uh, I feel like I'm going to be a broken record here, but I would say, again, it is about, you know, thick skin, conviction. You got to fundamentally believe in the problem you're solving. And you've got to always be curious. I love it, man. I you love can't it. Stop. <laughs> that's that's one of the best things I learned from somebody I interviewed. His, his name is William Pang, and he created a company called North Star. And yeah, he was just like saying, be curious and like find out the truth. Because I think we are inherently curious. I think it's just the truth is, oh, I don't have the skills or I don't yeah. you know, have the resources. I don't, you know, I don't have the it's just doubts, but whether it's validated to you, it's if you accept it. So I think that's just really beautifully said. Um, well, the last part here, John, is how do how do listeners of the show and um, people find out about how to become customers or not, or just support the journey? I, I think you were doing a Republic thing. Were you guys still? Is that still around? Uh, we we raised uh, parent company equity on Republic a couple of years ago. Oh. Um, our city funds are listed there. They're a partner that lists their city funds. Uh, nice. so, so, so no, not, nothing in terms of like current NADA there, but City Funds is there, but City Funds is in the app. So the best way to know about NADA is to yeah. go at nada.co, N-A-D-A.co. Uh, you can get everything, or you can find us in uh, app or Google Play. Uh, the app is NADA Finance. You can find us by typing NADA. You can find us by typing City Funds, <laughs> or you can straight up type NADA Finance. And you can learn all about the City Funds product. We're, we build in the public. We live in the public. Um, and so very cool. Uh, you, you can easily get engaged with us. Well, John, it's been a pleasure having you and just hearing about what you've created and where you guys are headed. I'm sure you guys will have a lot more great things in store. So thanks again. That's awesome. Thanks, Dan. I right. really appreciate it. Appreciate it as well. Uh, click that button. All right, stop.